Hello friends, and welcome back to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast, as sponsored by ThothWitchcraft.com. Now today, we are talking about gatekeeping. How much I can tell you, and <laughs> it will depend, because, you know, it's always difficult. How far do you go with telling people and disclosing magical secrets? You know, I don't know. How far do you go, Chris, with disclosing information? How do you decide what someone should know versus what someone shouldn't know? Would you just ramble until they look confused like I do? Yeah, so I pretty much gauge it on how they respond to the things that I'm saying. So if they respond in a way that kind of goes, they're still following you, um, then... Uh, as soon as they give the kind of cues that you're they're no longer following where you're at, you kind of tail off or change subject altogether. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose we're blessed in a way that we have no morals or ethics, so <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing that we can't dis- not discuss, you know? It's like, if, oh, you want to kill someone? Yeah, that's fine. We'll explain how you do that. You want to hex someone? Yeah, that's fine. We'll do some jinxing. We'll do some of that. Oh, how, how many generations do you want to curse that family for? You know, that kind <laughs> of thing. It's basically a case of we don't really care so much about that. So we never have to stop ourselves from... Mm-hmm giving knowledge away that other people could misuse because we don't really care about that sort of thing. It's all academic, really. Whether or not they're capable of actually doing the work will depend on the individual and the response because it's very rare that we're actually agreeing to do the work for a person, um, that actually they're taking on the responsibilities of doing it well or doing doing it badly is entirely on them and therefore why should it bother us? Yeah. Well, I was involved with a little scandal. Um, Actually, I won't say that. Well, I will talk about... I'll talk about that after the watershed. So after the 30-minute period's up, I'll tell you all about my scandal. Um, (laughs) Because normally all these podcasts, of course, go over. So most of them will condense down to 30 minutes and put on the regular podcast and on YouTube eventually. And then the extras, uh, the outtakes and stuff, all the the cool information that people really want to know, <laughs> the scandalous things, go on the Patreon, the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. For the so, true supporters. For the, tr- for, for the true seeker. <laughs> um, so I won't say about that because I almost let something slip that I don't probably <laughs> shouldn't. I'm gatekeeping now, you see. <laughs> um, but I won't talk about that. So what I will talk about instead is I'll have to make something up quickly that's along the lines of gatekeeping. And that's got to be something about how do you really distinguish if you're not caring about giving people the information? How do you distinguish with how someone, how capable someone is of something? So a big problem is that people will come to me and they'll ask me to do something for them. Or they'll ask me how they would go about doing something to make it work more often than not, actually. Um, and I'll know that they're not up to the up to scratch. So I'll know that they've got a little bit more training that they would need in order to get to that stage. And I think that the problem, the closest thing to gatekeeping, I think, that we have is if we know that that person 
needs some training and they need to learn more or pick up a new skill or whatever it is but we can't really tell them that because it's rude <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, yeah which is which brings me into this scandal that i would was going to talk about um but it's a case of you know if someone approaches you and they want to i don't know they want to know about the secrets and mysteries of death because we've been talking about that a lot lately and I can't really, unlike a religious person that would say, well, this is what happens after you die, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's not really our, was well, not normally what we would do. We would normally sit down and say, well, what experiences do you have with the dying process? What experience do you have with working with the dead? All that kind of thing. And then based on not just what they say, but on their ability that they can demonstrate, we'll assist them and make recommendations of well well have you tried talking to this thing have you tried experimenting with this have you done this ritual have you done that ritual um if they believe have a certain belief we'll, we'll challenge that and say well what about this situation how does that compute how does that alter your belief you know if you were to have such and such result that kind of a thing and it's basically a case of taking someone out of their comfort zone now the real mystery i think um, that I've only realised fairly recently, I think, is that people are very, very confused with how we find out what their ability is. So, and uh, several people have said, and I know that you, I'm not the only one that this has happened to, people can get a little bit upset with the fact that you'll say, well, I'm not going to tell you that, but I recommend you go and do this and then you'll have your answer. Because if yeah. I, it's like with anything, if I just tell you the answer, it's not really going to mean anything. You're going to put it down to my personal opinion. Whereas when you've gone and discovered something through your, for yourself and experienced it and have notice of it, know it to be true because you have practical experience and have done it yourself. That That's another thing. And I think that having talked to Lady Poison and other witches and that that we know, um, quite a lot of people if they do put themselves out there and teach others and help others they don't gatekeep to keep knowledge out of other people's hands like the movies would kind of have you believe oh well, it's good versus bad and we can't have people knowing all these deep dark secrets or there'll be a war or you know that kind of thing it's actually more of a case of not spoiling the experience from other people because um, you'll get a lot of people, and you'll notice this, the armchair magicians, that all they want to do is collect opinion. They want to read this book, and then another book, and then another book, and they won't actually do anything. They'll just kind of amalgamate and categorise all of these correspondences, all of these belief systems and structures, but won't really um, explore any of them themselves. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they copy from one book of shadows to another book of shadows to another book of shadows. They're, yeah, they're always looking for another guru, another piece of information. Um, they're always trying to learn from other se someone else instead of the experimentation. And experimentation is so important when it comes to magic, mm -hmm. because eventually you'll get to the point where there isn't anyone that can teach you, because you're the one that's that's leading the research. You're so far down a very specific path that you're the furthest along that path and then well what book are you going to read then 
So, you know. At which point it's finding assistance beyond this realm um, and going into other realms. It's interesting because if you're talking about spirits, gods, goddesses, that kind of thing, how do you feel that gatekeeping works from their perspective? Well, for them, it's, I'm sure it works the same way as it works for, you know, us us on, on this plane. Is It's a case of, well, what can you handle? Some will have looser morals than others. <laughs> and therefore, will be willing to just, you know, bam, there you go. You asked for it, you got it, your choice. We always get on well with those spirits. Whereas, you know, others will be a lot more cautious and, and consider the impacts that it may have on you. Whereas actually, I, I don't know which which one I would actually prefer. It depends on the work, I guess. Um, and it depends on your individual relationship with that spirit. So, you know, whether or not they're going to be willing. You know, and I think that works the same with gatekeeping, doesn't it, really? On, on, a, on a magical knowledge basis with the living, it's a case of, well... Are you ready for it? Do you know? And the, I think a lot of traditions uh, in the kind of more um, structured, organised of the witches um, in their lineage traditions tend to do it in a basis of questions, don't they? Which is a case of, well, if you can ask the right question, you must have enough knowledge to be ready for an answer. When it comes to coven work, um, and if you're wanting to gain initiation and work with a coven they have like entry requirements don't they so they'll have tests and things like that magic uh, magical order secret societies that kind of thing they normally always have tests initiation tests and that kind of a thing i know that in a lot of these kind of uh, new age and wiccan books it's very much a case of oh you want to be initiated i'll wave my hand and do this ritual whereas actually initiation from an ancient perspective and from, I think, a traditional witchcraft perspective, it's always been a case of... Complete these trials. Completing trials and quests and worthiness, and that actually you get nothing for second place, and there is no award for taking part. You're in or you're out. You pass or you fail. You know, there's no real distinction. There's no, even to a certain extent in many of them, second chance. Often, if you've been refused by, um, you know, a coven leader or a priestess, that's it. Why is that? When it comes to the coven dynamics, why do you think that people do that? Is it literally to keep the group small, or is it because of the case of they only want a certain level of person there? Again, I think uh, we were talking about something similar this morning, weren't we? Which is you know, in that situation, it's a safety aspect more than anything. And it's, it's um, you know, you want everybody to be at a certain level in order for it to be safe practice, especially if you're dealing with something experimental. If you're a coven that actually really likes to push boundaries, you're going to want to make sure that everybody is capable of actually being in that position. You know, if you've then got a newbie starting who's completely new on their path, it's going to take a long time before they're ready to actually join you in that, which means essentially the alternative is to essentially exclude them until or take the risk. 
Yeah, uh, I, I suppose actually that's another thing that I suppose people may not be aware of is the fact that you may have been used to listening to people talk about inner orders and outer orders or inner circle and outer circle. Um, in traditional, a lot of traditional witchcraft, there's the coven and then there's the training coven. So yeah. there's actually the actual coven that does the the work and does the exploration and that where the more advanced practices are. Everyone's earned their place there. And then the training coven is really a a kind of almost interview process where you yeah. may, if you're lucky enough to get invited to to work with these people um, sometimes you may or may not be aware that you are in a training coven yeah um, and then when it comes to gatekeeping and stuff you like that that's gatekeeping within gatekeeping yeah that's gatekeeping within gatekeeping I mean when you're talking about interview processes and stuff like that very often if you have a structured organization and a coven to a certain extent is a structured organization then you a you did you do have to kind of pass that knowledge down and the people need to be worthy and capable of holding the office that they hold otherwise things go to crap um but how you go about doing that that needs to be a a, a rigorous process and from an ancient perspective certainly when you look at tribal culture the people that you know, whether it be the elders of the tribe or the community, they were the ones that memorized the stories. They were the ones that made big decisions and they were the ones that had the toughest lives because they had the way of being responsible for their tribe, but also knowing the inner mysteries and the secrets. And making and, the hardest of decisions. Yeah, when you heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, when you're the captain of a ship, and you steer into an iceberg, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. This is why, again, you have that, that, you know, captain always goes down with the ship. Everybody else should get off, but it's their responsibility to see it through. Yeah. And I think that naturally, actually, um, because in the occult world and the magical world, there's a lot of people that do think of elitism as you're trying to keep knowledge from me. And although, yes, that's very, very true that there are a lot of people out there that only really want to keep the knowledge from you and they don't want to help you. But actually, there are so many people that actually do want to help others. The problem is, is that you can't, you need to go at the pace of the person that you're trying to help. We have to go at the pace of our clients when we help people, you know, from the consultations and the professional witchcraft and stuff that we practice. If you've got a client that comes to you, you've got to work within their paradigm, you know, essentially work within their system that they're used to using. Okay, you can help them push past it to a certain extent, but there are things that I've done with clients that take 10 times as long and require twice the amount of effort than if I was to just do it myself because I take a different approach. Yeah. But because you've got to respect the client's path and not all paths are necessarily equal, they may all lead, if it's an actual path and not just a dead end like in a maze, they may all lead in the same direction, but some are lumpier and bumpier and twistier than others. You know, the crooked path that witches are very often on. 
there's all sorts of things that are going on on that. <laughs> and, you know, and it, this is where it comes to, and I imagine why Coven Dynamics work in the way that they tend to, is that you want to be able to be speaking on that level with that group, which means you shouldn't feel when it comes to the non-teaching Coven and actually the inner circle, you should be talking on the fact, on a level that meets everybody's requirement. So actually everybody should be able to follow that. So in order to push and maintain mm. that high level of a coven, it, it has to have those kind of levels within levels that are built there. Otherwise you'll spend half your time explaining what you mean in a situation where you shouldn't have to. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, with, with cover and work and stuff like that, remember that there's always a reason for doing something. It's not empty ritual. In a lot of the rituals that you see, particularly when it comes to religious rites, such as the turnings of the seasons and that kind of thing, it's empty ritual. There's not a lot of real magic that's going on. It's more it's celebration. Of a, it's celebration and such. Whereas if you're doing actual ritual where you need to get some serious work done, if the other people that are helping you with that ritual or procedure or piece of magic, um, if they're not up to par and they're not doing their job, then they need to go. You know, you can't carry dead weight necessarily. Um, but yeah, gate gatekeeping is quite an interesting one, just for the simple reason that it has a bad reputation. And but I think that's because people misunderstand its purpose. And it's very often that you'll find that there are people with no knowledge to, to pass on and no secrets and that they retain silly little bits of information and expect the world. Normally it goes from time. If you've got a coven that says it's going to take you a year and a day to do this for no apparent reason, instead of you being able to demonstrate a level of knowledge or yes. experience, that's a worrying thing to me. Yeah. Because what you will find with certain, um, I wouldn't even say necessarily secret societies, but organisations with inner and outer orders that are public, is that actually it can be a bit more sinister or it can be a money-making scheme. So if you look, for example, in um, not really magical related, but if you look at Satanism, the Church yeah. of Satan, what you'll have is people pay money to get a red card uh, membership. The only reason they want that red card is so that they can go around calling themselves a Satanist, but they pay money for that. So the people that run the Satanic Church get money from people that are buying into that. When it comes to um, secret societies and magical orders, such as, say, the famous one, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, the Victorian Secret Society, they had grades that would take X amount of time. So the first grade, the neophyte grade, would take a year and you'd have to do this, that and the other. And it would be very time specific. But the problem with that, of course, is that everyone was always seeking access to the inner order. They were always seeking to be promoted. It's like starting off in a company at the bottom and then wanting to progress as you get older higher up the, the ranks, becoming an, a manager and then a regional manager and then a director and then, you know, something else. Um, is one of those things where with progression, so we have no system of progression with the work that we do. It's literally, we have no secret society, we have no order. We have a company, but that works slightly different because it's a business at the end of the day. 
Um, so it's a case of we don't, all of the secrets we want to give out as much as possible. It's just a case of how much you can give away and it be of practical relevance to the people and how many people actually want the knowledge in the first place. Um, but it is something that I have seen quite a lot with people will set themselves up not knowing any more than a basic Wiccan, uh, Wiccan book of shadows and then trying to sell themselves as some kind of adept and you know saying well you've got to clean my house for a year and a day and then eventually I'll give you a little bit of information and actually from our perspective we try to push people as as hard and fast as we can for us it's a time is important you know for the sort of people that say I want it, this is done as soon as possible I want it all and I want it now I like those people a lot of people will say no 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 you need to take your time and stuff for me it's about um uh efficiency like i want my students to go as far as possible and achieve what they want as quick as possible and yes there's work that needs to put be put involved and you know if you're going to the open university and studying in your own time you know yes we can take account of the fact that okay some students may not want to be pushed as hard and fast as others but you decide when you come to us how um, quickly you want to progress and how tough a time you want but pressure does make diamonds at the end of the day so you know um, what about magical conversations and subtext because of course we've both attended pagan moots and things like that and you'll find that various people won't necessarily go off in a corner and discuss things although that is the case sometimes but very often you'll have two or three conversations that are all going on in open but it's all subtext so some people in an organization or in a meeting with particularly if it's an open circle kind of meeting will talk about one thing when they're actually talking about something else yeah. so the newbies baby witches they're calling themselves now oh don't I know, I know, tell me about it. Um, we'll think that you're talking about one thing when actually two or three other people in the group, in the meeting, will realise what you're actually talking about. And there can be levels. You'll find in public ritual that may also be the case, where you may think what's going on, but actually there's another level that certain people are working on that's beyond that. So what's your experience with that kind of a thing? And what's the reason behind that? Um a lot of it is it's 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 a case of we live in we live in a world where inclusivity is is key, um and obviously that's I think why gatekeeping gets such a bad rap, but essentially it, there is like I said the safety measure is always paramount for it, but also is a case of um you know you've worked hard for this information, why should it be given to a certain extent so freely? And everybody isn't entitled to the same level of information because they need oh, to be okay. able to understand the information that they've got. If they can't apply it, then what's the point of them having a, you know, it's like handing a person an, an, an encyclopedia and going, you're now a doctor. Yeah, I, d I don't know if I'd agree with that. I can't, I can't, I think I understand where you're coming from. I, gr I agree with the, the, the second point. But when it comes to if I've had to work really difficult for something, I don't want 
my students to have to work as hard for that thing. Well, I don't mean it like that. Well, I'm, uh, so maybe I phrased it wrong. But I don't, I don't mean as in it's a case of there are some things that can't just be learned by being told. Yeah. There oh, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. need to be experienced. Most things when it comes to magic is technique and then you need to experience it. And... In which case, it's not as in you need to work for the knowledge. You need to work to be able to apply the knowledge. Yeah, you, you need to do it. It's not book learning and memorising. It's, it's an art form. Magic is an art form. You have to do it. Um, you know, being able to read a periodic table doesn't mean you have any understanding of, of how those elements interact with one another. Yeah. And all what I would personally say, because this is my opinion, so you know it's going to be controversial. Um, all tests, when it comes to magic, are 100% practical. And all these Wiccan diplomas from the Centre of Excellence and New Age diplomas and Reiki, where you learn information and spiel it back out, you know, that is not how you test someone. You test someone on ability and how they can explain. And if you change a variable, how they react to that variable change. You'll find that if you're on a magical path or you're going down a magical path, memorizing information does not help you in the long run no um and that there are a lot of people that will try to sell you courses and stuff like that whereby oh you just have to read this read that course yeah. material and just then answer the, these multiple choice questions just being able to read a recipe doesn't mean you can make the perfect souffle yeah and the thing is the point as well people often think that the the aim is to read the recipe so if we're using because i like to use cooking as an example, it's a good um, example is the fact that you may think that being a cook or a chef is about learning recipes and then being able to tweak those recipes in reality is about creating your own dishes so someone obviously invented or a group of people may have invented lasagna or pizza or that kind of a thing well, you're passing on a form. You're passing on, well, for something to be spaghetti bolognese. I'm sorry if you're Italian, because I know you don't like to use the term spaghetti bolognese, but we do over here. In order to be spaghetti bolognese, it has to have certain things incorporated into that dish. Um, a poor cook goes and buys a pre-made one and heats it up in the microwave. Someone that's not particularly adept, but on a path, you know, a beginner, goes and follows a recipe. A true adept, a proper chef, decides, what do I want to make? What do all these ingredients do? What's the flavour? What's going to be the final result of this? You know, and create something. And that's what you're really, what we're aiming to help people do, is that they shouldn't be looking at the procedure and the, oh, I need to use a poppet for that. I need to use a crystal for this. I need to do my candle spell because that's the only form of magic that I understand and can do well. It's more of a case of, out of everything that's at my disposal, what is going to get this done quickest, easiest, cheapest? And the true adept has a palette that you can then walk back in and go after someone's done a spell work and go, oh, I like what you did there. Yeah. And not everyone 
it necessarily wants to reach an adept level. Some people just want to learn uh, basic magic, a basic system of magic whereby they can influence change. So when they're low on money, they can get a little bit more money, use some magic for that, you know, or love or, you know, healing, that kind of thing. Um, medical problems, that they can do that. Adepthood is difficult for a reason, you know. You can go on a first aid course in a weekend, but it takes you many years to train to be a doctor, and that is the real difference. There, yeah. That is the difference between what you're talking about when you're looking at a lot of the courses that are out there and a lot of the ways that people teach. Ultimately, we like to try and push people to train as specialist doctors, um, but we realise that actually 99.99% of people don't want that and you know whether you can say they're capable of that or not doesn't really matter so we don't really look down I don't think on people that don't want that I believe it or not we're already at that time again so I think before it switches over to the Patreon um, maybe you should explain the new uh, gatekeeping that we've kind of got going on in the Patreon yeah so obviously because at this point uh, with all the consultations and stuff like that, what we've decided to do is launch our um, internship program slash training program. So if you go on the thofwitchcraft.com website, there will be a page um, that's all about learning witchcraft from us um, virtually online. So we're helping you do distance learning, but it's not going to be like any other distance learning course that you've been on. So check out the links um, in the description and then obviously you know, check out thofwitchcraft.com if you want us personally to mentor you. Of course, if you're listening to this at the moment, you've already checked out thofwitchcraft.com and you're already a member of the Patreon. So well done you and you're probably a lot further along your magical path than a lot of the people that listen to the regular podcast um, basically because clearly you're committed enough not necessarily to pay us but you must be doing some kind of magical practice in order to be on this platform so I kind of said a little bit earlier and alluded to a story that I wasn't prepared to tell a little scandal when it came to gatekeeping and it's, it's only a minor thing but basically at a pagan moot that I went to, um, I was having a discussion that was to do with Egyptian mummification. Okay, There were several other people in the moot. One or two people were interested in discussing it at a high level. And, you know, when it comes to that kind of a thing, I'm not worried about discussing things that are controversial or advanced. The problem that I had there was that most of the people in that setting were not interested in mummification. So I had to wrap up that discussion quite easily. So I essentially said, you know, if you have a specific question that you want to ask, then ask and I'll explain quickly. And one person did have a specific question about canoptic jars and taking out organs and that kind of thing, which I answered specifically. Another person wanted me to disclose 
the entire Egyptian mysteries and the mysteries of mummification and the purposes behind that and all that, which is difficult to do in general. But would also have bored most of the group. Which would have also bored most of the group. So I tried to ask that person, you know, what experience do you have? To which I don't think they really had any. Um, and I said, based on the fact that you have no experience, I suggest what you do is go away and do a little bit of research and then come back to me with some specific questions and we can go from there. That was when the scandal ensued, because I was, of course, um, accused of gatekeeping and accused of being elitist. And I did try, because you were there as well, weren't you? Yeah, it, well, it happened somewhat later, but... Essentially, yeah, we got we ended up having to come back to this on the basis that we were accused of gatekeeping, uh, which I think was totally unfair, really. It was, you know, to, it's not untrue. It was just that it was unfair that it we were somehow monsters for for keeping it um, when clearly the rest of the group really were not interested in that line of discussion. And it would have taken some time. It would have taken time and I don't see it having any practical benefit. Um, benefit to the person that asked the question. Now, the sort of person that asks those questions, they just want you to explain everything. Are the collectors of information, the librarians, the people that just stick it in a database and do nothing with it? Yes. So what I was really looking for is what practical applications they had or what they were really wanting to do. And because they were unable to give me that information until they get that information and can tell me then and I'm not talking about an ethically or moral reason because I don't care about that but it's really a case of on a subject that vast we need to start somewhere and I'm not in the middle of a pagan move prepared to create off the top of my head although a four I, pro hour lecture. I probably could create a four-hour lecture and an entire curriculum for that person I'm not going to do that so having some input from the student there would have been a good idea and unfortunately they may have took it the wrong way um, and that was essentially the scandal but you can see from maybe their perspective oh this person doesn't want to tell me this information they're gatekeeping they're keep keeping it away from me when they don't quite understand the reason for that and the reason was that you need to be on the path in order for me to help you with the path and until you decide to start researching and trying things yourself, you're not actually on that path. So I'm not going to explain the entirety of the path and, you know, start pointing out different things if you're not even on the path yet. Um, I don't know what other scandals we have. I don't think we get accused too much of them, no, do we? No, we... Normally it's the opposite. It's the opposite, normally. <laughs> We're oversharing and we normally told off by those that do gatekeep um more considerably and the frets the and youtube the frets. Frets. the illuminati are out to get us and all that apparently because we give away too much oh, information. yeah i forgot about those that was a good one i do the love ones those from the youtube we love yeah. those we, yeah. we want more of those they won't be in here so there's no point me saying that is there really yeah that's true right but yeah it's it's one of those things we're probably less likely to do it it was just that type of setting you know, at the end of the day, that's what a moot is for. It's for sharing of ideas. But at the same time, it was a case of you still have a responsibility to the group that they can all contribute. If you're going on off, off on something too specific, 
you're either showboating yeah um or you're gatekeeping you have you have no choice between one or the other really yeah. and the thing is with public forums and pagan moots and stuff like that is the fact that there's so many people there that are on various different levels and the aim really what you try to do is keep things open to everyone the problem is is if you're sat in a room with 10 people right and four of those 10 people are adepts or close to that, and they're capable of having advanced conversations. Week after week, um, meeting after meeting, you don't just want to talk about the basics. You want to be able to go away and talk with the adults. You know, you don't yeah. want to have to be talking in baby speak all the time. And very elitist of you. That sounds elitist, but it's true. <laughs> I do find it difficult. And there are a lot of situations and a lot of pagan moots and other organizations and things like that that I've been a part of or sat with practitioners. And it's a case of, well, you know, the children want to wanna get in on the adult conversation. And the problem is, is you don't get to have adult conversation because you're having to explain to the child every what other thing you said. said. So sometimes in terms of, and it does happen, and we're not the people that would normally do this, partly because we normally interact with people on a one-to-one -one basis or group people together in terms of ability. So this doesn't come up outside of a social setting for us. No. But it is difficult for if you want to have an in-depth discussion about something and you've got someone that's, I don't understand that, I don't understand that, explain this, and you have to spend an hour explaining something that everyone else in the conversation wants to know. It means that we don't get to discuss what we want to discuss. So gatekeeping is another application of that, that you either talk subtext so that it doesn't catch the attention of the baby witch, as they call themselves now. Stop <laughs> I know, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> the newbie, then, the newbie. Um, the, you know, you do go off and, and, and huddle together and that kind of a thing. And, you know, isn't the difference, I suppose, with us is that if the newbie wants to sit there and shut up and just listen whilst we're having an adult conversation, that's fine is the constant interruption of, and I understand that they're trying to learn more and more and more, but at the end of the day, when it comes to social gatherings, I'm not on the clock. Yeah. I'm socialising with other people that I want to have a conversation we with. We are not obligated to answer those questions. And I think that's often what's forgotten when it comes to a moot setting. Yeah. Is that it is, first and foremost, a social gathering. And therefore, you're not, no one in that group is obligated to teach anybody. You know, it's different for us because obviously we teach all the time. So in that, that it's kind of implied mm. that we will be the ones that will answer those questions. And people do let us, don't they? Yeah. Um, where they're just kind of like, which one's going to take this one then? Um, but, you know, obviously everybody want, likes to share knowledge. But. When you're having a, a four hour move to whatever, you don't want to spend all four hours of that teaching. Um, the whole point of going to that is it's a so social gathering and you want to, you know, get some ideas out there on a group. Otherwise, what was the point of going? Yeah. And you can kind of see why, you know, uh, a lot of groups, particularly in the Midlands, have died out. And that's because they spend all their time teaching newbies. Um, and not actually spending the time. And they're like, well, why should I? Mm. I may as well just take this group of adepts away and we'll go and 
we'll go and explore just together as a small coven. And the interesting truth of the matter with that is the fact that we don't assess people's aptitude and say, well, you're not capable of understanding that, so I'm not going to talk to you about that. It's the fact that they don't allow us to have the conversation. So in that situation, we're perfectly happy to have the conversation. What actually happens is they drive us away because we can't have the conversation. So it's not a case of us saying, oh, well, we're not prepared to have that conversation because the people in this room aren't of that level or enough of the people in this room aren't of that level. It's more of a case of, well, we can't get a word in edgeways. So we actually have to have this conversation outside of the group privately. And that kind of, you know, the sort of people that push it away. And I'm not saying that you can't ask questions and stuff like that. But being aware that in social situations, very much is a case of, you know, you should be open and honest and say, I don't understand what you're doing or talking about. And I'd like to learn more about that. Can you explain that to me? And of course, I would say, OK, this might not be the time to do it, but I'll dedicate some time to that. Yeah, exactly. Others might say, no, I don't want to. And yeah. both is OK. You know, we don't have any responsibility to do that. We personally do because we run a business that's dedicated to that. But other practitioners don't necessarily um, have that. No, and I think I think that is often forgotten about, you know, because lots of um newbie and new newbies will go to these sorts sorts of moots in search of that next level yeah um and what they i think what they get either disheartened by um is that not necessarily everybody at that group wants to spend that time sharing something beneath their level yeah um and i think that i think part of it is actually just saying go to these things but also just have a, have an amount of realism when you're with your expectations. Um, I, you know, for me, it's the opposite. You know, I went to how many moots this last year? Yeah. Um, and actually trying to find just a handful of people amongst that um, who were at a level that um, is enjoyable. But the, the difference is that that's because they've probably already been driven away. Yeah, the, the people that off that level have probably been driven away. The moot that I was particularly talking about that we attended, it was a case of there could be a situation whereby those people get driven away um, because there's too many new people yeah. um, that are just getting the main focus. And, you know, it did get to the point at one point where it was a case of, we have to wait for all the newbies to go home before we can start discussing advanced practices. And that makes me feel queasy. I don't like that. I had to do it because it was necessary to actually have the conversation because you couldn't have the conversations without being interrupted constantly. Um, but again, it's social, so social aspects. And you just end up creating that watershed. Yeah. But how else really can you deal with it? Um, obviously, if you've got better ideas, let us know. But I just I don't know how else that you can be polite about it yeah. and still 
and still trying to maintain those friendships well i think again the the approach is what i don't like is traditionally at a moot what you do is you just uh, dare to know and then to keep secrets so you do not discuss things and because we're the sort of people that like to to discuss topics and are open with practice and things like that a lot of people would just go there and keep their mouth shut and not discuss anything advanced. Whereas we are willing to have that conversation. It's just a case of the whole point of advanced practice is that it's advanced. You need a foundation to start beginning to understand it. And that is the gatekeeping. That's what the, the people are misconstrued in it with. It's the kind of the point of, I don't understand what you just said. Therefore, you must be keeping something from me. And it doesn't work like that necessarily, certainly not from how we operate. But I can't say that it doesn't like work like that full stop because there are people out there that do want to keep knowledge. So it's a difficult thing. You've got to assess the situation at the end of the day. Any more things to add when it comes to gatekeeping? No, um, I, I, I don't knowledge? think so. I think it's just a case of it's it's having a realistic idea isn't it of what is capable um and just being honest with people if it's a case of you want to know more tell them but be prepared that actually it might not happen at that point yeah i mean what are the what are the different forms of gatekeeping then because when it comes to the sort of stuff that we have you could say our Patreon's gatekeeping because the one of the reasons we set up was mainly just due to censorship, that we want to discuss topics on there that we're legally not allowed to on things such as YouTube. So, and also obviously it comes with the, the extra um, uh, tools and that for communicating with people on distance yeah. and stuff, which also does help. But when you think about um, culturally secret societies, um, cultures of the past practitioners of the past and how they maintain their secrets do you think that it's predominantly through um initiation rites and quests where you have to pass some kind of a test in order to get the knowledge yeah i think the majority is in that direction <coughs> sorry because i think that people again from a pop culture is a case of well, there's the beginner book on witchcraft and then there's the advanced book on witchcraft. And the advanced book of witchcraft is in a secret vault and you're just not allowed to see it. When in reality, that's not the case. All of the witchcraft is there in plain sight. It's a case of whether you understand it and it's gaining the, no the, the knowledge and the tools in order to understand it, to see that it's there. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they've not been written. It's because they're too hard to write. Yeah, so you can't write an advanced book that fits every person. Yeah, so, there's, there's no real such thing as an advanced book on on um witchcraft. The closest thing that I could say that is an advanced book on magic is to go and explore some ancient ruins or some temples in Egypt and look at the um inscriptions. Because that's an advanced knowledge. That's secrets in plain sight that you need to really understand in order to, to see. And that's it. It's not so much a book with English whereby... I mean, I think of the old... I think it's Treason, isn't it? Um, Dante's Cove and all that kind yeah. of thing. Where, oh, 
the book is blank, and then if you master the first spell, then all of a sudden a magic spell appears on the next page, yeah. and you work through it like that, kind of like yeah. a school textbook, and it just appears. Oh, you've yeah. learnt more, so it translates into English, that kind of thing. It doesn't really work like that. It can sometimes feel like it, because sometimes it feels like, well, that has that always been there, or, or have I, I just not noticed it the yeah. first time I read? And normally it is a case of actually, well, it has always been there. You just never really saw that or understood it until you do now. Um, that's why symbols and symbology is an advanced form of language, is because that symbols can work on so many different levels. And when you unlock a symbol, you're unlocking more and more depth of meaning. And then you can utilize that as a kind of magical technology and, you know, symbology in that. But that's a whole kettle of fish. I think we're going to do a podcast episode on that sort of thing anyway at some yeah, point. Definitely. But I don't know if there's any more things to add. Um, obviously, being on the Patreon, if you don't already contact us or if you've been inspired by anything we've said today, then please kind of hit us up and talk to us about it. We're always interested in having discussions with you and we always try to, you know, whether it would be a podcast episode or whether it be something in the various other groups that we do, virtual groups such as Witchcraft Live or the No Holds Barred Witchcraft um, Facebook group starting threads interaction that kind of thing i know that when it gets to certain practices and at a certain point it's difficult to have these discussions and we want to kind of make ourselves available to have those discussions with you and the more people that reach out to us with specific interests you know the more able we are to match you guys up with other people and put together groups and have different opinions and things like that on things anything else no just you know enjoy it and help us create more content by yeah. opening up to us the gatekeeping is uh, very rarely with us but there we go and thanks for listening that is the end of yet another episode